0: Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com.
1: Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line?
2: Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
1: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The thing. Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive green. Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe.
3: Feels good, baby.
2: I will be back here. I will be back here, and I will be back and the-
4: Welcome to 4th & Goal Podcast. It is draft week. The draft is here. It is about damn time. I know everyone is stuck in the house quarantining and chilling and also probably doing laps around their home because they want to get outside and do other things. But there is sports coming. Uh, we had the uh, Last Dance documentary. Mm-hmm. hope everybody tuned into that. If you are a younger person... Take notes and understand that is the greatest basketball player of all time. This is a football podcast, but we'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> Matt, what's going
5: on, buddy? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Just, just getting ready for the draft. You know, I, I'm going to say it later in much. another interview we did, too. But 48 hours. 48 hours until the draft. Just want to remind everybody, as we sit here and record this, getting excited for, for what we have coming. And then, of course, like Thursday night, mm-hmm. we're doing the live stream for the first round. That's going to be a ton of fun with the Hours oh, Fris- yeah. Noir guys, with uh, Will and Zach. Very excited for that. Very excited for tonight. Just... I'm just excited, man. I I've been in a really funky mood for for a while now, just because of the quarantine and all this stuffs going on. But the draft is starting to pump me back up, and I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm 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 ready to get this week going, man.
4: Yeah, you know, for a lot of fans, this is turning the page. You know, for folks who haven't really watched or haven't even rewatched the Super Bowl, this is turning the page. This is looking forward to 2020 with all the bad that's going on this year. You know, this is something for people to look forward to. The draft. You know, we have people in our mentions, people in our DMs, people who are all over the place who want to, you know, just talk about football and talk about the draft. And, you know, the time is now. So uh, we're going to get into that here in a few seconds. Um, But this is the Fourth and Gold Podcast. I'm Javi. That is Matt. Uh, Catch us on Twitter at Fourth and Gold Podcast um, on Twitter. And then catch the podcast on all podcast platforms Google, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found so uh matt this week has been filled with a lot of stuff um mm-hmm. especially niner related we, we i mean we can touch on a whole bunch of shit you know 13 <laughs> 31 the niners are trading the entire defense john lynch has said they're going to take someone at a pick big if true um let's start off with the report from albert breer and a couple Or i'm sorry michael lombardi about mm-hmm. how the niners want to clear some cap space or they they're cap strapped. Um, they want to get rid of not get rid of, but they want to see if they can move Quan Alexander, D. Ford, Jaquisky Tart, and Marquise Goodwin. Um, just I guess we can start off with Marquise Goodwin because that might be the shortest conversation ever. Um, yes, the Niners would absolutely love to move off of Mar- Marquise Goodwin at this point in his N- Niners career. He doesn't. He's just not. He's not long for this team. I think we knew that early on in the season when he started getting phased out of the offense. Um,
5: yeah, yeah, we really didn't see much of him after. Goodness, I want to say like the second Cardinals game. I mean, we really didn't see any of him after that, and he ended the year on IR, and it just it didn't seem like he fit in the offense at all. Especially once Emmanuel Sanders came out. I mean, it was the writing was on the wall for him. He they're they're trying to move on from him. If they can't trade him, um, I don't foresee him making this team. So he'll be probably a free agent training camp yeah for training camp something like that um they'll, they'll try and do their best to capitalize on his speed and get someone to pay for it
4: yeah and you know and the, and the 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 trade value just isn't there you know a lot of folks in these trade scenarios that keep that i keep seeing let's send marquise goodwin listen the niners are trying to get rid of marquise goodwin people teams know that they're not going to pay mm-hmm. they'll just wait it out like this is what teams do they will wait it out kind of like the quarterback situation with cam newton James Winston. teams will wait it out for an injury and they'll go pay less for a guy like those two. So with Marquise Goodwin, they're not going to give you a pick for him. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I understand, you know, you want to get something back for the guy, but it's just not there. The value does not exist.
5: Yeah, and, and for what it's worth, of all the comments we're going to get to, that John Lynch said, Marquise Goodwin is the only one he actively admitted to. And then he said, yeah, we're absolutely trying to move Marquise Goodwin. So, yeah, you can look at this and be like, yeah, they're trying to move Marquise Goodwin. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Um, But let's go with uh, the biggest name out of that list, I think. And that's going to be D Ford. This is a guy they traded a second-round pick for last year. They gave him a monster contract. They don't have an out that soon. I think it's after 2021 they have a contract out. D Ford, what kind of value do you think he has, and do you think
4: it's true they're trying to move him? Um, I don't think they're trying to move him because they understand the cap – uh, hit that they will receive if they try to move him now. I think mm-hmm. it is very much in play that he's not on this team in 2021 um, because of the outs in his contract. And I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. it's, D Ford's a good player, no question. The issue with D Ford is his knees and his hamstrings. He was on um, KNBR a couple days ago. He talked about his hamstring um, and his knee. He kind of he dealt with the knee all season, and then the hamstring thing. They kind of knew it was coming before it actually happened um, because he was compensating from the injury to his one knee that actually ended mm. up injuring his hamstring. He 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 talked about it openly on KBR, and the discussion was when he got hurt after that Saints game, uh, he could come back, but he kept re-aggravating it and reaggravating it. So they said, sit down so we can have you for the playoffs. Otherwise, if he would have came back, he would have been done for the season because... In a game, right. he could have tore it and things like that. So the issues of injury, which a lot of fans questioned. I know I questioned, um, you know, some of the some of the commentary from 49ers media or beat writers about how they kept reiterating his injuries. But they were right to do so, you know, with D Ford's case. You know, they send a second-round pick, um, and they pay him all this money, and he's only giving you 20 25% of the snaps because of injuries. So um, I would be— okay with moving off D4 next season, not this this coming season. The 2021 season, I can foresee him not being there. It's $4.5 million cap hit if he is cut or traded. Um, it would make perfect sense, and it, you know this is part of why I've been pushing for another defensive lineman in this draft, whether that be pick 13 or 31, because you just don't know with D4. We saw the extreme drop-off. Of the defense with pressure without D Ford. If you can find yourself another speed rusher in this draft, I'm not saying he has to be D Ford. I'm just saying he has to get to the quarterback um, in a different way or similar way to D Ford, but do so to where the defense doesn't just take a shit on you know pressures and sacks. <laughs> you know there was no sacks in that Saints game. The pressure numbers went down without D Ford. You know, they yeah. they were averaging four to five sacks a game before D Ford got hurt. After that, that number would drop to like two a game. And that's that's all the difference in, in a game. You need if you need someone on thirty eight, third and eight, and they convert, you know, me and you were at that Falcons game. How many times did Matt yeah. Ryan just stand in the pocket mm-hmm. and get a ball off to Julio? you know, in three or four seconds. It just happened. So, Especially on that last drive. Exactly. You got to have have a backup. And part of that also goes to, you know, there is no Ronald Blair and, you know, Demontre Moore. But that's also my point. You kind of have to find that second guy behind D Ford. Yes, Ronald Blair is coming back off an ACL injury. But the same talk about how Jimmy came back off an ACL injury, we have to give him a break. We're going to have to have that kind of expectation with Ronald Blair next year, too. So... I would all I'd be all about getting an edge rusher in this draft whether that be 13 31 156 you know 20 whatever just find one you can find one
5: Yeah I'm with you I'm with you and look I I understand the fans wanting to trade D Ford I get it I get it I understand where you're coming from you think he's overpaid you think he's not giving them enough but my question becomes who replaces him Yeah And a lot of times I pose that question I get answers like Oh, well, Ronald Blair's going to come back. Oh, DJ Jones is going to come back. Oh, Cantavia Street's coming back. Oh, Julian Taylor's coming back. Well, these guys are coming back off injury. Correct. They're not just coming back healthy, 100% ready to go. We're not sure how many of them are going to be ready to go for the start of the season. So it's really hard for me to envision a time when they're going to trade D Ford unless they get a high draft pick in return, which I don't foresee them doing just because of the said injury history. I don't foresee a team just being like, yeah, yeah you know what? Here you go. Here's a second round pick back in return for him, and we'll eat most of his contract. It's not how this works. It's not how this works. And whatever wild package people want to put together where they package 13, 31, and D Ford to the Redskins for second overall pick, <laughs> just get that out of your head. Get it out of your head. Stop tagging me in that. I'm tired of seeing it. It's not going to happen. Um, I don't foresee, I keep saying foresee. I don't see D Ford being traded. I don't. No. Um, I, think it's, I think they're going to have the conversations. Of course. I think if a team might call with an offer, they might listen. But I don't think it happens at the end of the day. Um, the next guy on that list, Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander was a very good signing at the time. It's was, it was, it was an overpay. It's an overpay. Yes. And, and we have an interview coming up with, with, with Joe Fortenbaugh, and he talks about how the off-ball linebacker is becoming less valuable. And he's correct. He's right. At the time, it was smart. It was a little bit overpayable. That's what you have to do when you're a bad team to get these players. Quan Alexander goes down with an injury in the Cardinals game, I believe, on Halloween. Yeah. Torn back. And in steps Dre Greenlaw. And Dre Greenlaw played really well. Yes. Really well. And as it stands right now, the 49ers' three linebackers might be one of the best linebacking course in football between Fred Warner, linebacker one. Dre Greenlaw, his emergence, and Quan Alexander. That makes Quan kind of expendable because you're very rarely having three linebackers on the field anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good they are at covering because all three of them can cover. I don't care. You're not going to have all three of them on the field at the same time. It's It's a very devalued position. Another player, I don't know if they can trade him just because of his contract. They have a massive out next year. After 2020, they have a massive out. They can just outright cut him. And not take much of a hit at all if they can't find a trade partner. But I think you might be able to find a trade partner for Quan Alexander. He's that good of a player. I know he's the heartbeat of the defense. I know that he gets people all hyped. I know he's Hot Boys University. I know he's he does all this stuff for. But at the end of the day, he's just not as valuable as his contract. I, another guy I don't see being traded this year. They will field phone calls. There's some linebacker desperate teams out there.
4: Yes, and this class is The Ravens The, the kind Ravens are
5: desperate. The Ravens are desperate. The Packers are desperate. There's teams that desperately need linebackers to stay competitive right now. They might get enough in an offer to say, yeah, you know what, okay, we're comfortable moving forward with what we have in house if we don't move on with Quan. Yeah. But again, it's gonna have to be a pretty good offer.
4: Yeah, and it, I just I don't think Quan's gonna move this year or next year. That dead cap number the twenty twenty dead cap number is Four million, and then because you still have to to keep the account the other 2021 because they still owe him some money. The 2021 dead cap is ten and a half, so it's just it's just a massive amount of money to just have somebody not on your team. So I would not expect Quan Alexander to be traded. I would expect them to have conversations about it, uh, and maybe. You know, if a team takes him on, they're going to have to redo the deal. But the the, the Niners would be, you know, held hostage on that money. So are you really going to pay $14 million to have a guy not on your team? That's just not yeah. that's not the Niners' way of business. So there's that. Um, the 2023, 2024 portion of his contract is voided. Um, it can be voided out. So, you know, that there would be some savings there. Um, but just the dead cap money is, you know, part of it was to free up some cap space by restructuring him so the Niners could have some more flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, Kwan and D Ford are not getting traded. I would not think they'd be traded. Um, the fourth guy that was discussed, Kwaski Tart. Um yep. Or you know Let me before we say anything, Before you stop. Before we go to Kwaski, me and you had this conversation. You know, people didn't believe us when I said it. Me and you had this conversation <laughs> about the Dre Greenlaw emergence and would the Niners move off Kwan immediately? You said, "Hey, the contract's too big. It's not ideal." So you know, kind mm-hmm. of deaded the conversation. But it is. It was possible at one point before the extension that they could have done this, or before the restructure. And yeah. part of that is, you know, you have a guy coming off an ACL tear. Kwan. he played really well first eight games, no question about it. Um, but then he tears his pec. And then he tears his bicep. He had a miserable Super Bowl, and people don't want to talk about it. But he was miserable in that Super Bowl. He missed a huge mm-hmm. tackle that could have, you know, changed you know changed the outcome of that one drive. So there's there's that. Um, I'm not saying Kwan's a bad player. I think he's an excellent player. I just think for the money that the Niners are spending on a linebacker, they have found the replacement already in my favorite draft pick last year of Dre Greenlaw. Um, and that's another possibility. And then so now to get to Tart, We also talked about Tart off air and not on Twitter just because mm-hmm. sometimes I don't want to put everything out there. That's just That's just <laughs> how I am. I'm not the Twitter guy. It's just not how I am. But we talked about it, and people keep – People keep bringing it up, oh, you know, the secondary doesn't need anything. Yes, the secondary does because yeah. Kwaski Tart is on his last year of his deal. I love Kwaski Tart. Mm-hmm. I think he's an excellent, strong safety. My only thing with Kwaski is he's often injured and he doesn't turn the ball over. Those, you need, you need your, okay, the, the, the Seahawks during their run were great because they had two safeties and both of them turned the ball over and both were healthy the entire time. So, you know, the yeah. Niners, if they can – my dream scenario is Jamal Adams a strong safety and Tavarius Moore at free safety. You can say whatever the hell you want about Tavarius Moore, but Tavarius Moore is a ball, hawk, ball hawking safety. And give me Jamal Adams in the box and covering tight ends every day of the week. I would be all for that. But if the Niners are going to take a safety in this draft, I hope they take one. I hope they take one in, at 31. You know, I'm this. we talked about it last week or earlier this week. I'm back to my, my main board. Safety, tackle, inside linebacker, wide receiver. Those are my four in that order.
5: Yeah. Um, Tart might be moved. He might yeah. be moved because he is he is a piece that can be moved around. Jimmy Ward can slide in and play the strong safety role. He's one of the surest tacklers out there. Mm-hmm. He's a little too Again, small. He might be a little but, bit too small for that. Yeah, he might be a little too small to, to be like an enforcer, but he can still play the position Correct. and he, he knows how to do it and he can tackle sure enough that it's fine. and And he's really good in coverage. When he has to line up mono a mano on somebody. Um, but again, Jimmy Ward and, and start they don't they don't create turnovers. they don't they don't. For all the strengths of their game, they are safe. Yes, they are safe. they they are guys that you want when you have an elite pass rush because they're not necessarily going to turn the ball over, but they're not going to get beat, beat deep, they're not going to give up big plays, they're not going to blow coverages. Now we saw some blown coverages in the Super Bowl and we saw them get beat deep a couple times. But for the most part, those are the two safest guys on the defense when it comes to just boring bland, do your job. That's what they are. It's exactly what they are, which sometimes you want, but right now they need a way to turn the ball over. The NFC West is loaded with talent, particularly the wide receiver positions yeah. across the board. <laughs> Across the board. It's stupid. Ugh. I mean, it is outside of the 49ers, it is the deepest wide receiver group in the NFL. It's not even close, hands down. Shut the door. That's what it is. Yeah. The 49ers need, need, need to get more big plays out of their secondary. And I think a lot of it starts with the safeties. And Kwaski, if he's going to be moved, it's the last year of his deal, like you said. I don't think he resigns. I don't think he comes back. He's one of the last holdovers from the bulky era. I think this is his last year in red and gold. I think the 49ers are going to do the same thing they did with the Forrest Bucket and they're going to try and get some value for him. Again, 13, 31, and then I believe it's 156.
4: Yeah, it's a big it's a big gap between
5: 125 picks. players are going to come off the board as it stands right now between 30, between 31 and their fifth-round pick. 125 players. I don't think they stand pat at either of those spots, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. Look, there's guys that I, my draft crush, Xavier McKinney, right? Mm -hmm. He's a guy where he creates turnovers. He's a ball hawk. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Um, You mentioned Jamal Adams. I've been screaming from the mountaintops for Jamal Adams since it became very, very clear that he was not going to resign in New York and they have no interest in extending him and they have no interest in paying him. Jamal Adams is that dude. He's that dude. Easily. I wanted him I wanted him in 2017 when the draft is coming. People told me it's too high to take a safety. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'll pay him that money. That's how good I think he's going to be. And sure enough, that's how good he is now. If they can go out and get a player for him, and it, that would require trading one of the first-round picks. If that requires bundling a first-round pick in and Joukowsky-Tart and something else, do it. Do it. Go get this guy. Absolutely go get your hands on Jamal Adams. But... When it comes to Tart, I think the likeliness of people being traded out of these four, uh, Goodwin's one, yes, down at three. There's not even a two compared to Goodwin. Goodwin is just so likely to be either traded or, or gone that uh, he's number one. Yeah, easy. Uh, number two, I'd say was Tart. Three, Alexander. Four, Ford.
4: Yeah, that's fair. Um, realistically, you know, we talk about value with, with Marquis Goodwin. There, there really wasn't, there isn't much there. And I'm not saying there's no value of him as like a person or a player. I'm just talking about NFL trade value. It's just non-existent yeah. with Kwaski. What could the Niners realistically get? I'm thinking more mid round fourth, mid mid fourth round area just because. Yeah.
5: They could, they could package him with a fifth and try and get a third. Yeah. But they're going to have to package a pick with him to get that high. I think that's a fourth-round pick is probably the sweet spot. Um, I think they might be able to get a third next year if they want to start stockpiling picks for next year as well. That's fair. Um, always, Which is always a possibility with these guys is they're going to get a pick down the road. Marquise Goodwin could be worth a fifth next year. Yeah. I think a team might be willing to pay that just for his speed alone. Yeah. I know Dallas really wants to get their hands on him. so. And John Lynch has said there's been a couple times they've been really close to having a deal for Goodwin. So I, I think it's inevitable that he gets moved. Um, a player they haven't talked about uh, that might be moved on draft day, Dante Pettis, is a guy that's clearly fallen out of favor in San Francisco. Uh, reclamation projects are a huge thing, especially during a draft, where, where teams are willing to trade for guys that were high draft picks, didn't pan out in a certain situation, hoping that a change of scenery can be good for them. I... I I, what, what kind of value does Dante Pettis have for you?
4: Dante's another guy. You know he has, he has, he st- he can still separate. He can still you know get open. The issue with him is hands. And you know, for those folks um, who listened to the Fortnite Noir podcast the other day and listened to Grant Cohen talk about how Dante just kind of had alligator arms when he went over the middle, and that's something the Niners do consistently going over the middle. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're making your quarterback look bad in practice, your quarterback's gonna make you look bad in public. and I think part of the issue is Kyle and Jimmy falling out of favor with Dante and, and that's also what I've heard I'm, you've you know and I think you've heard the same. It's both of them that are having an issue with Dante. Um, yeah. and his value to me, you know you 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 traded up for him and you got him in the second round. another team may come call take give you a fifth or sixth round pick this year. You know, if if that team missed out on a wide receiver that they have liked, and maybe they scouted Dante and they you know they liked him, they thought they could have got him in the third third round or early in the or mid second round, but the Niners had to trade up and go get him because the interest was there for Dante. So a team like that, you know, in the fifth or sixth round, can come get him. And I, I think the Niners would take that at this point. But I also think the Niners may want to give him one more year here. Um just because you never know what how this draft's gonna fall anyways, if you miss out on a guy that you really liked in this draft and you know you you just you just can't take that risk just yet um with dante because the the, the potential is there we've seen it we saw it like we we saw him light it up the last five weeks of the 2000, 2018 season um so it's there maybe it's a confidence issue maybe it's a or uh, um camaraderie issue maybe it's just a Just something needs to be fixed between Jimmy and Pet Dante, Kyle and Dante, and just...
1: Me, 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 me,
4: but also you.
1: The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line?
2: Uh, The only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive.
1: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? oh man that's a tongue twister huh i'm sorry i'm gonna need a few more minutes <clears throat> bulbous walrus the bulbous walrus the name your price tool only from progressive the hour and a foul of the comatose Coxwain. progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
4: if kyle is the offensive genius that he is utilize dante the best way he should be utilized and maybe it's not going over the middle maybe it is running that nine route maybe it is getting behind that those you know the split safeties maybe it's just keeping him away from getting crushed by a linebacker. Some guys just don't like getting hit, and that's fair. Yeah. Randy Moss didn't like getting hit. He didn't go over the fucking middle. Terrell Owens accepted that shit. Like, he will go over the middle. Odell Beckham will go over the middle. Steve Smith will go over the middle and give you outside uh, uh, routes. So not every guy is built that way. So, you know, give Dante a specific role in this offense, and maybe you see something. But um, But if they are going to trade him, I would say fifth or sixth round pick.
5: So I'm going to say that Dante Pettis' trade value is at its lowest during this draft. Yes. And I think that's just because of how the wide receiver class is panning out. Uh, John Lynch came out and said it. Eric DaCosta came out and said it. And when you have two top GMs saying this, that you can find starting wide receivers in the fifth round. Both of them have come out and said that. That is huge. That is huge for two really good... GMs to come out and say that, I, I buy it. I believe them. I believe that the talent is there. So for that reason, I think Dante Pettis' trade values is an all-time low during a draft. I believe where his trade value is going to be the highest is training camp. Yeah. Once these guys get back on the field after not having OTAs. Yeah. After not having offseason activities, after not having rookie mini camps, all this stuff, once injuries start to happen,
4: you start Dante
5: Pettis' trade value is going to go up. I'm not going to say it's going to skyrocket because I don't think it will ever be worth, I don't think we'll, 49ers will ever see a second round pick in return for him. So I'm not going to say it's going to skyrocket. I agree. But it goes up. Yeah. It goes up during training camp once injuries start to pile up and teams are like, holy shit, we need more receivers. Yeah. If, if the 49ers can't carve out a, a spot in the offense, like, like you said, training camp is where his trade value is going to be the peak. And I think it's Valley right now is draft day.
4: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense. So uh, two more things before we get to the interview with Joe here. We'll touch on with John Lynch's conversation yesterday. The first thing, I guess, um, I want to talk about is uh, Joe Staley. Um, The Niners are confident. Um, They are – they've kept good contact with Joe. Um, I think think most of us really felt Joe Staley was going to stay anyways, at least for this year going into his 14th Mm -hmm. season, I think Joe Staley played excellent football down the stretch when he was healthy. Um, He completely shut down Jadavian Clowney. He was outstanding in the Saints game. He played well in the Rams game. Joe looked like Joe down the stretch, and he had a great playoff run. Obviously, the Niners ran the ball down two teams' throats, um, and I don't think Joe allowed a sack in the last five or six weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. So I don't don't think he's going to um, retire right now. Um, The words that John Lutz said, he said, we're encouraged. We've heard nothing that would lead us to believe that Joe is not going to play. So, you know, I'm going to take John's word on this one. And, you know, I'm sure they're preparing for the future without Joe because, you know, this class does have some pretty good tackles. Maybe next year's class has some good tackles as well. But I think they've already started the process to prepare for his departure. But right now, Mm at this moment, Joe Staley is a 49er 2020.
5: Yeah, uh, from what I've read, he's down in San Diego doing his normal off-season training stuff. So he's he's back to just doing the Joe Show. Yeah, right. Um, I think you're absolutely right. They have to prepare for the inevitable. Joe Staley can't play until he's 100. Can't. Yeah. I think I think 2020 is his last year. I know he signed a two-year extension. I, I don't think it matters. I think 2020 is his last year. This is his year 30? Is his his, uh, his age 36 year? Yeah. That is that is very old for offensive linemen. You know, everybody says, Oh, Tom Brady played until Tom Brady doesn't get hit. Tom Brady doesn't hit people. Tom Brady doesn't have a car crash. Every play Joe Staley is, is, I mean, in my opinion, he's a hall of famer when he retires. He's definitely going to the ring of honor easily at at Levi's stadium. Um, I think he's going to go down as one of the all time great 49ers, but the 49ers need to start preparing for the inevitable. They need to be ready for when he moves on, uh, they need a draft to draft a tackle this year. Absolutely, I don't. I don't care what round it is. You need to. You need to put a tackle. You need to get him in the system, and you need to see if the kid has it or not. Because I think 2020 is Joe's last year. It's going to be sad. We're going to be bummed, mm-hmm. and then we're immediately going to try and get him on the pod at some point once he's retired and <laughs> drop back down to 210, like Adam Snyder told us he would. We um, have an
4: in. We have an in. We have an in.
5: Yeah, yeah. We're just, we're just going to keep pestering Adam Snyder until he tells this joke and come yes. on. But Anyway. I, I I think 2020 is the last year. I think they're going to move on. They need to start looking for it in this draft because you, you need to start training these guys and get them in the system because I think the last thing they want to come up on is next year Joe retires. They can't get the tackle they want and you're up shit creek without a paddle trying to protect the blind side of Jimmy Garoppolo.
4: Yeah, no, that's uh, 100% agree. Um, and the last thing before we get into the, the interview with Joe, um, the... Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo discussion. Now it it's it, it's dead. We talked about it um, when it mm-hmm. first came out. Yes, the 49ers were gonna have a conversation. We knew they had conversations. We even said it on the podcast that they had conversations. For folks to think that they didn't is just irresponsible and also homerish and your blinders are up. Do I think that conversation was very long? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I think <laughs> it was more like hey, John calls Kyle. John says, hey, Kyle. Kyle's like, what's up, dude? Uh, Tom Brady wants to be a Niner. Kyle, no. Okay, end of discussion. It's just, it, it made no sense for the Niners to <laughs> go ahead and get Tom Brady. We talked about it before. It just doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense then. We understood that Tom is from California. He's a, he's a Bay Area guy. You know, he grew up a Niner fan the whole he was there during the catch game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera, But they liked Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think all the reports out there that say they don't like him um, are just unfounded. I think part of the issue with the Niners last year with their offense was the lack of wide receiver talent. I'm not saying anything bad about Debo or KB or Emmanuel Sanders, but you know we saw. I think the idea of, of the of Kyle Shanahan and his offense is predicated off what he did in Atlanta with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. I'm sorry, there is no Julio Jones on this 49ers roster. So you're not going to get those deep passes. Those are really explosive plays. But the Niners still led the league in explosive plays anyways because Kyle can scheme his guys open. He, he adjusted his offense for his tools that he had in his toolbox. That's just how it works. So the whole Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady thing, yes, we knew they had the discussion. We knew it was over. And I like the part where Kyle said, John says, we kept Jimmy in the loop the entire time. This is exactly what I had told a bunch of people on Twitter. Jimmy knew the whole time. This is also part of them having the same agent. You know, Tom may have had an interest to go to the Niners, but there's also a leverage play here, trying to get a little bit more money from another team. And it was always Tennessee, and it was always Tampa Bay. That's how it was. And when that all comes out, I will tell you again the same thing I'm telling you now. So – um, it's it's dead now. Tom is in Tampa. Jimmy is in San Francisco, and the NFC Championship game is going to be the 49ers versus Tampa Bay in San Francisco. Period.
5: <laughs> yeah. No. Um. It, it, they kept Jimmy in the loop. This wasn't like they had a discussion like, shh, 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 Jimmy's coming. Jimmy's yeah. coming. Let's let's talk about something else. Oh, hey, Jimmy, how are you? No, they they kept him. Of course, they kept him in the loop. He's a franchise quarterback. They're paying him like a franchise quarterback. Whether or not you believe he is a franchise quarterback is is. Neither here nor there. Can Jimmy Garoppolo be improved behind? Yes. Yes, he can. Was Tom Brady the answer? No, no, he wasn't. Okay, cool. Let's move on. That's all it was. That's that's what the conversation was. And I'm happy John aired it. I'm happy he put it out in public because now people can finally hear it from you know the mouths of babes that that, that's that's what was happening.
4: Yeah, you know, and part of
5: it's no longer a secret, it's no longer a surprise, it's no longer rumors or conjecture it's straight from the mouth of john lynch who has been outside of the one denial of a solomon thomas trade rumor that it ended up being pretty real mm-hmm. he's been very brutally honest with everyone yeah now he might wait until after the fact to tell it because he doesn't want to tip his hand because they play everything so close to the vest yeah. john lynch has been very out outspoken and he's been very direct with media with fans with everyone
4: no, and that's that's exactly what you want from your GM. You want him to be uh, candid when he has to be and secretive when he has to be. It's just the way it goes. And um, not every rumor deserves to be discussed in public. The Niners had already expressed their content and happiness with Jimmy Garoppolo at the Combine and after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all that Jimmy has done since he's gone here is won games. 21 to be exact. Two playoff games, a Super Bowl appearance. You know, great. say what you want about the playoff run. Um the fact that he's still the quarterback to lead, led this team midway through the season and towards the end of the year to get them in position to have the number one seed like as how, how soon we forget those last games even you know even the loss against yeah. the Ravens he was outstanding the Saints game he yeah. played well, the Rams game he played well like there was there's too much good tape out there to suggest that they're gonna just move on from him. you know we've had our discussion on Twitter and even on here, yes, there's only a couple quarterbacks that I would replace him with. But at this point, mm-hmm. I'm riding with Jimmy. I'm all in on Jimmy G. Let's just keep this thing rolling. We'll see you guys in the playoffs. Like, let's, That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> all right, Matt. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Um, well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partners at Bet Online still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you.
5: I know I'm missing the NFL. You missing the NFL? Well, oh, Dora has yeah. no problem. No problem at all. Bet online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and you know how that market's going right now. And you can even bet on the <laughs> nation's, Nathan's hot dog eating contest in July.
4: All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus.
5: That's promo code Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering solution. And welcome back to the Fourth and Gold podcast. We are here with a big episode. It's gonna be a lot of fun tonight. We have a couple interviews lined up. We've also got our own draft stuff to talk about. It's gonna be a long one. That's okay. That's what we're here for. I am Matt, and as with me as always is Javi. Javi, how you doing, man?
4: I'm good, man. How you doing?
5: You know, still in quarantine, dude. So just kind of <laughs> living life right now, and just to, as we record this, we're about 48 hours away from the
4: draft. So I'm getting excited. Yeah, it's definitely an exciting times. We uh we are excited tonight, though. We do have a big guest, uh, from Joe Low and Dibs of 95.7 The Game. Joe Fort- Fortinball, um, of 95.7 The Game, like I just said, and then of course he's on ESPN Daily Wager, the betting and an analyst for ESPN. Joe, how are you doing?
0: First thing you want to do is you don't want to say big guest. what, What you want to do is you want to undersell and over deliver. So just be like, we got this okay guest coming on. Uh, he might be all right. And then if I deliver for you guys, people are going to be like, oh, my God, why did they say that was a lousy guest? The guy was so good. That's the best approach you can take. Now you've built me up to a point where I don't know if I can deliver on that, but I certainly will try. Now that I'm done with this opening monologue, it's great to be with you guys. This is the power of Twitter, right? Like yes. for all the negativity that's on there, there is also a positive element. And yesterday we were having a nice, pleasant or a couple days ago, whenever it was, nice, pleasant 49er conversation. No one was yelling. No one was trying to force their tape down anyone else's throat. We were just bouncing back and forth. And then it led to, hey, can you jump on the podcast? And yes, absolutely. I love talking football. So thank you very much for the invite. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to have you. So I'm glad you brought up that
5: conversation because that's why we brought you here. So there's, John Lynch has taken a lot of hits for his draft picks over the years in the last couple of years he's hit on a lot of them he's missed on others and people like to focus on the negative so what i want to do is i want to take everyone back to the jim harbaugh days and the tom sula days and the chip kelly days and i want to talk about the gm the 49ers had then and how his drafts have aged over the years so joe talk to me about trent balky why should 49ers Twitter and 49ers fans be
0: so happy with John Lynch? <laughs> uh, how much time you got? The first <laughs> first to to that. So we're doing this thing on the radio show, right? The buildup to the draft and with everything that's going on in the world, people say it's a tough time to try to put together content. It's not. You just got to spend a little bit more time thinking, but mm-hmm. the draft gives you plenty of opportunities. So what we've been doing is since it's the start of a new decade, we're kind of looking back on the decade that was in Niner drafts. One day, each day, we take one draft class working up from 2010 all the way up to 2019. Just just going back through, because most draft experts will tell you, most NFL experts will tell you, you can't grade a draft for at least three years, right? So it's going to be tough to grade the Nick Bosa draft, but you know he looks pretty good so far. <laughs> but if you go back to 10, 11, 12, and these are all Balky's drafts, Balky started in 10 and then went up to 16, so he had seven swings at it, um, you get an understanding of what you're dealing with, you can put accurate grades on these things. And you think to yourself, I had the number in front of me earlier. I think it was five, five guys, bulky drafted in seven years that went to a pro bowl. Now that might not seem that bad, but Eric Reed's one of them. He only went to one Alden Smith's one of them. He only went to one pro bowl. And we all know what happened there. A mm-hmm. uh, Navarro Bowman who he nailed in 2010, Penn state man. Uh, third yeah, right. round, that's a great selection, no doubt. But you work your way through, and I'm blanking, Mike Upati was also in that 2010 class. He mm-hmm, went to yeah. the Pro Bowl, and I'm blanking on whoever the fifth one is. But the point being, even the guys they got that went to Pro Bowls, they're not – oh, Buckner. Of course it's Buckner because that was his last draft class. Right, but that's only right. one Pro Bowl, and they traded him away. So ultimately, there were so many swings and misses. We remember Bulky for taking shots on those injured dudes, Team ACL and all the jokes that used to come out. <laughs> but good God, man. You go back through with the second and third round. They missed on so many third round picks. Uh, They hit on Bowman, but then you work your way through it. Chris Culliver didn't pan out to be anything. Uh, They didn't have one in 2012. Uh, Corey Lemonade in 2013. I don't even know if I'm saying the name right. Marcus Martin and Chris Borland in 2014. And someone was trying to tell me how great Borland was. Well, yeah, he played like eight games and it was nice, but then he retired. That's not a good pick. He didn't even Mm -hmm. make it a year. Eli Harold was okay. That's a 2015 third-rounder. And then Will Redmond. So, I mean, anyone can hit in the first round. It's still tough. But once you get to those middle rounds, man, the economics of the second and third-round picks, those guys are the most valuable. They're like the red properties in Monopoly. Those are the most valuable properties. Illinois, Indiana, and Kentucky. That's what the second and third round of the draft are. And Balky swung and missed badly through most of those picks.
4: Yeah, that the, those mid-rounders were just were bad, you know. I, I guess we can give him a little bit of, you know, the Buckner, Armstead, Ronald Blair, Tart, uh, and then you go through the list. Jimmy Ward, you know, it's just he hit on some and then he missed very bad. I know there was a there was a conversation about you know when they traded Alex Smith away and how he flipped all those picks for so many players. But to your point, like you said, Chris Borland, Borland, yes, played six, seven games and he had a great, you know, those great games, but he didn't finish the season. Um with 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 bulky. what what do you think was his just his undoing? Was it just his drafting? Was it his lack of movement in free agency? What what was the ultimate undoing with him?
0: I think ultimately bulky's problem was a, it was an institutional problem. It wasn't just him. You know, it's easy to sit here and point the finger at him because everyone lived, loved Jim Harbaugh, but they weren't in sync as an organization. You know, balky took over for Scott McLuhan, And then a lot of mcLuhan's guys contributed to the success Harbaugh's teams had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, balky obviously, and if you guys are watching, like everyone is the last dance you see how this plays out, man. Like mm-hmm. everyone, everyone's got an ego, everyone wants to make sure they get their share of the credit. And when the Niners turned around, it all went to Harbaugh. And that probably stings a little bit if you're bulky. So there was this rift, Harbaugh's notoriously a tough guy to get along with as is. They had leaks within the organization. And then they had a young owner who just didn't know what to do. He didn't get it, he didn't have the experience. So Jed's out there taking a pounding and ultimately he's learned, he's learned from that. But what you're seeing now is an organization that's in lockstep. The head coach and GM came in together, they're invested in each other's success. If Lynch does well, that means Shanahan does well. If Shanahan does well, that means Lynch does well. And if they both do well, it means York does well. That's how you do it. When you're building an organization, the owner hires the GM, the GM goes out and gets the coach and then the coach and the GM work together to get the quarterback. That's how it plays in that order. You have to have them all invested in one another or you got a mess on your hands. Look at the New York Giants. It's like, all right, you got one GM, he hires a coach, you fire the GM, you bring in a new GM, he hires his own coach, but he fires this other guy and then they draft a quarterback and then you fire the the, the coach again and then you bring in a new coach and you got to get a new quarterback. It's like what the hell are you doing? Like you can't like that's <laughs> Matt Nagy in Chicago, man. He comes in and he's got to he's got to sit there with Mitchell Trubisky and he's got to make it work. He's taking lumps because that wasn't his guy, that was Pace's guy, but he's gotta find a way to coach him up. So that's where the Niners are now, organizationally aligned, which is very important. With Balky, that wasn't necessarily the case. Tough to get along with Harbaugh, and I think that was one of the big problems. Harbaugh had guys he wanted to draft, Balky had different philosophies, and, and that clash just was never able to be resolved.
5: And I think part of it actually comes from the personalities of Harbaugh and Balky, not just with each other, but with the media. And when you look at Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan's not great with the media. I think he's better than we all thought he was going to be. But John Lynch has never met a microphone he didn't love. And he loves to talk to the media. And I think he gets to take a lot of the heat off Kyle Shanahan, especially around draft time when all these questions be fired at him. John Lynch is willing to stand in front of the camera and talk to everybody. Balky wasn't. Harbaugh notoriously notoriously salty with the media in games, especially after losses and when things weren't going well. I think that the organization, I like the way you said they took their lumps. They learned from it because now – They've moved on. They figured it out. Jed figured it out. But I think the relationship between Lynch and and Shanahan is the biggest component to them having success in turning this roster around.
0: Oh, no doubt. The beauty of Lynch is that as a former player, he gets it. And the beauty of Shanahan is that growing up as a coach's son, he's been around the game forever. He gets it. They get it. That's the key. They get it. They know what it's like to be a player. They know what it's like to be a rookie. They know what it's like to be a veteran. They know what the locker room's like. They know how to balance that. Lynch isn't trying to be a star. Lynch is just trying to be a general manager. If Kyle gets the credit, what does he care? That's what's awesome. Lynch is a Hall of Famer in his own right. He's going in at some point. He doesn't need to sit here and get into a pissing match over whether or not he gets the credit. And (laughs) Kyle doesn't seem to care at all. He's just a true football guy. Like, he's going to do his thing, and it's going to work out. I think Kyle learned a lot from that experience in Washington with his dad and everything that Mm -hmm. went south there. And also Mm -hmm. his one year in Cleveland, which was a disaster too. He's seen enough bad football and enough bad organizational structures that he understands what works and what doesn't. And that's why as a Niner fan, you gotta feel pretty good about these guys. And the one guy who doesn't get enough credit, I'll bring his name up again, is Jed York. I've been talking about this on the radio show. No one wanted to stand up and be like, thanks for everything, Jed, because he's a billionaire owner and he owns the 49ers and his life's awesome. So no one ever wants to give those guys credit, but the reality is, Five, six years ago, people were busting him up bad. He was the butt of every joke. And now you don't hear from him. He does exactly what an owner's supposed to do. No one needs to hear your mouth at any point. One time a year, have a meeting in like the summer where you invite the media, cater the lunch, answer their questions, and then you're done. And then we don't hear from you again until the team wins the Super Bowl. And then you say a few kind words, praising everyone as you hold up the trophy, you hand it to the coach and you move on your way. That's how it works. That's how Paul Allen did it when he was alive in Seattle. That's how the good owners do it. That's part yeah. of the problem in Dallas. Niner fans will love me saying this. <laughs> so that's probably part of the problem in Dallas. Jerry Jones is awesome. If I was a billionaire owner, I would be more like Jerry Jones than anything else, but I wouldn't be winning Super Bowls, right? Jerry comes in and he couldn't handle it with Jimmy Johnson, so they had to run Jimmy Johnson. And then Switzer comes in and wins, but then it all falls apart. Like if Jerry could back up and let other guys manage the business, he'd be in better shape. But that's a whole different tangent for another day. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've seen John Lynch
5: and Kyle Shanahan really – take their lumps as well. I think if you can go back, you can point to some specific players. Uh, Let's look at that 2017 draft, for instance. Uh, I feel like the first two picks had John Lynch all over them. Solomon Thomas hasn't panned out. He hasn't played up to his draft billing. And a lot of it comes back to, you know, he took a leadership class with John Lynch at Stanford and they had that Stanford connection. They loved it. And and then Reuben Foster, obviously, you know, flamed out spectacularly in, in San Francisco um, landed with Washington. He hasn't played it down for them yet because of injuries. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, C.J. Bethard and Joe Williams were very clearly Kyle Shanahan picks, had Kyle Shanahan's fingerprints all over him. How do you think the two of them have been able to kind of right the ship and, and, and stop making picks seem so,
0: I need to get my guy and just kind of let things come to them? This was a really good learning class. So let, let's start with this too. George Kittle in the fifth round. So yeah. they did hit. And D.J. Jones in the sixth. Mm-hmm. D.J. could be a big factor this year with the force yes. Buckerson on. So just kind of file that one away. Starting at the top, though, Thomas is seen in a swing and a mess,
1: and that's understandable. But let's 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 take it from me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line?
2: Uh, the only line I see here on the script is "Get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive."
1: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The, the name your price, price tool, cannabis. only from Progressive. The owl a afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: What it is, they did move back a pick with the Bears, and they acquired additional draft picks. And one of those draft picks turned into Fred Warner, and that was a pretty big hit. So while Thomas hasn't lived up to the expectations of being the third overall pick, the trade that got him there also landed them a great linebacker in Fred Warner. So it's tough to sit there and give the grade an F on Solomon Thomas. And I can understand why they missed. Excuse me, I I, I remember watching him, especially in that bowl game because I'm a degenerate gambler and that was on (laughs) the middle of the day, North Carolina versus Stanford on like December 28th. It was one of those like noon games out here. And I had money on, I'm pretty sure it was Stanford because I remember I ended up winning, but Thomas was wrecking shop in that game. He made two or three huge plays when North Carolina with Mitchell Trubisky was coming down the field, mm-hmm. trying to win that game. He made a few, he was a freak, great shape, great student, great guy, no big concerns. It looked like he was going to project well at the next level. I liked him coming out too. So there's no way I can sit here and fault the organization for making that pick. Cause I was sitting there saying Solomon Thomas is going to be a player. Foster that's a good lesson learned. And that's the character guy, he slid. A lot of people said he could be a top five pick, but he slid. The Niners traded up to make that pick and then they got burned on it. And I think since then they've probably put a higher premium on culture guys, character guys, guys who can stay out of trouble. They're not looking for saints and angels, but they are looking for guys who can make sure they stay on the field. And and that's a big lesson there. that's the number one lesson I think they learned from this is that you want decent character guys. And then number two, Joe Williams in the fourth out of Utah, loved him at Utah. He was huge, yeah. but he retired. He came back. There were concerns there. I think Kyle realized never again, don't need to spend a pick that high fourth round, mid round or higher on a, on a running back. He can make it work. He's making it work with Raheem Mostert. He's made it work with everyone back there. No sense in investing that high of your draft capital in that position.
4: Yeah, I mean, you you explained everything that I have been thinking the last couple of years. That first draft, you know, uh, Kittle is a huge hit, and I'm I'm there with you on DJ Jones. I just need him to stay healthy for a full season. Yeah, uh, especially with the loss of DeForest Buckner, and I, that's kind of where I want to take this. DeForest Buckner, you know, the I'm viewing this trade as a win just off the the the, the fact that you trade DeForest Buckner five years after he's drafted at the seventh pick and you get the 13th pick in exchange for him you don't have to spend the 21 million dollars average annual salary on that um where are you with that DeForest Buckner trade in acquiring the 13th overall pick in this year's draft
0: it's tough it's so tough because you draft guys like Buckner hoping they turn out to be what you think and then when they do you want to pay them And you want to continue to have him as part of the organization he produced when this team stunk. Let's remember that Armstead didn't. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of guys who weren't making plays when these guys stunk. He was he's been good since he came in. And to get to this point where it's time to get paid and to not have it get done, it stings, especially when he played a huge role in this rebuild. The problem is this is what happens when you draft well and you win. You end up having a lot of good players and you got to pay them. So let's ask ourselves, how much money do you want to put in the Buckner? Knowing how much you have invested in Garoppolo, knowing how much you're going to need to spend in a few years on Nick Bosa, on George Kittle very soon, on Fred Warner very soon, on Mike McGlinchey, on the other tackle position because Staley's going to retire. Think about it. And at corner too. I mean, I'm hoping when we'll get into this, I'm sure that they draft a corner because that's a premium position. It costs a lot of money on the open market. You want to draft and develop quarterbacks, tackles, pass rushers, and corners, because if you're paying for them in free agency, it's going to cost you a fortune. Look at the Eagles and Darius Slay; They had to give up picks and a monster contract. So the point being, it's tough to see him go, but the Niners understand they're forward-thinking. They do realize they're going to have to make tough decisions, and they probably feel pretty confident about some of their depth along the defensive line, and they realize, can we afford to pay a quarterback? Because they don't have a quarterback on a rookie deal. That's the best contract in all sports. A franchise mm-hmm. quarterback on a rookie deal. Look at what Seattle did with Russ. Look at what Kansas City's doing with Mahomes, right? And look at what Dallas should have done with Prescott, but they blew it because they <laughs> mismanaged the situation the whole way. So the point is, you pay the quarterback fine. You're not going to be able to give $20 million out to another guy. And that's what Buckner's worth. So they see it coming. Rather than screw around, give him an opportunity to go get paid. He does. You pick up a first round pick, and then we'll see what happens. Are you going to use that pick at 13? Are you going to trade back and get more picks? Let's see what they turn that into. Now that they're a good team, they're going to need to be even better at the draft because it's healthy, young, cost-effective talent versus free agency, which is what they were able to do the last few years because they didn't have any players and they had a ton of salary cap space.
5: So let's, let's dive into those players. So they got guys like D. Ford. They got guys like Quan Alexander. Joukowsky Tart is going to be due for an extension. And Marquise Goodwin has been on the out and out for a while now. A report came out saying that they were looking to trade all of those players. Do you think that is smoke or do you think there is fire there?
0: Well, that's Mike Lombardi with the report. I used to work with Mike. I know Mike. I love Mike. I'm sure it's true. And I I think that what we do in the media is we overreact. And I'm guilty of this as well. Let me be very clear. Because it seems like it's a juicy story. Oh, my God. They're trying to trade these good guys. I think guys are having conversations about everyone right now. Like Mm -hmm. Green Bay is not having conversations about Aaron Rodgers. Seattle's not talking about Ross, but all these other guys are up for grabs. Everyone's trying to get organized. Like we've all played fantasy football. We talk about everyone. And then if that report gets out, okay, technically I talked about him, but how serious was it? What you have to look at is as follows. D. D Ford costs a lot of money. He costs a lot of money. He's $15 million this year, and he can't play a lot of snaps. That's not going to help the team all that much. It's really not. But the good news on Ford is after you get done paying him this year, you can get out of the contract next year. It'll be a $4 million dead cap charge. You don't want to have a lot of those, but you can get out of that deal. And I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. I don't see anyone wanting to take on the D Ford contract. Tart is in the final year of his contract. It pays $6 million. So they're probably figuring... We could trade him. Someone gets a year of Jaworski tart. They see if they like him. And if they do, they go ahead and they give him a new contract. If not, he becomes a free agent. So you can see why that's happening. Goodwin, we all know why that's happening. He's not even worth a dollar. He's a nice guy, but I mean, damn, he, they gave him every chance and that dude just can't get it done for the organization. So moving on from him, just get him off the books. Then number four, here's where it gets interesting. Everyone loves Quan Alexander, highly productive, right? And his cap number this year is manageable. The problem is that there's two more years on the deal after this season, and that's about $33 million in cap charges. And again, coming back to what you pay your quarterback, what you're going to have to pay McGlinchey, Nick Bosa. You're probably going to make a run at Bosa's brother, Joey, when he hits free agency because those two want to play together. Mm -hmm. So eventually you might go after that. You're going to have to pay Fred Warner. It's going to get expensive. So can you afford to play an outside linebacker 33 million over two years, probably not. That's why they're trying to move on from uh, Quan Alexander, in my opinion. So it's all just about
4: dollars making sense. And it helps that, uh, you know, John Lynch did hit Andre Greenlaw this past- Oh yeah, yeah. So that that helps.
0: He stepped in and he played really well. And I think that's that's a non-premium position. It's not to knock the outside linebackers, but if you're not a three, four outside guy, uh, like Von Miller, who plays a huge role rushing the passer, Ultimately, you're not going to be a position that's worth that much money. It sucks, it's insulting, but you pay quarterbacks, you pay the guys who protect quarterbacks, you pay the guys who rush quarterbacks. You start there. Outside of that, you have to start making sacrifices. People realize the running back position is where you can make a sacrifice. That's become common knowledge. I'm starting to think you can make some sacrifices at the wide receiver position as well. You probably aren't gonna spend a ton of money at safety. You don't wanna spend a ton of money at linebacker. You are gonna pay decent at cornerback, if you end up wanting to make plays, you need an elite pass rush to cover up a bad secondary, or you're gonna have to pay corners. Watch Miami this year. They got the highest paid corners in the league after signing Byron Jones to pair up with Xavier Howard. It's gonna be very, very fascinating to watch how well they can cover because if they can't get a pass rush, I don't care how good you are. no yep. one's good enough to cover NFL receivers for ten seconds. <laughs> maybe Dion, maybe Dion
5: maybe maybe Dion, yeah, <laughs> maybe prime Dion uh so so let's let's look forward a little bit here now. 13, 31, and then nothing until the fifth round. How do you see
0: the 49ers managing this draft? All right. So based on everything they're telling you, uh, at 13, they want to trade back unless one of six, quote, foundational players is on the board. That's what John Lynch told the media yesterday. So six foundational players. That's probably Chase Young from Ohio State, Jeff Okuda from Ohio State, Uh, it's probably Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. You get where I'm going here. At least one of the offensive tackles, maybe two of them, maybe one of the wide receivers. I don't know if that's going to be an option for them at 13. I really don't. So if they want to trade back fine, they need picks. They got two in the first round. They don't draft again until five. Again, the guys who are selected at like 25th overall overall there's not a lot of difference between them and the guys at 40 and the guys at 48. Like the economics have shown that the second and third rounds are where the best values are. The key to the first is that you get that fifth year option if you want to use it. But the second and third is where you got to make, make the sunshine. You got to make it hay while the sunshine. And that's what Belichick learned a long time ago. He was a master of trading back. That's what Seattle does. Seattle's always trading back. I think John Schneider's done it every single year. Mm-hmm. So if I'm the Niners and one of those foundational pieces is they're great. I like CJ Henderson, the corner from Florida, he ran sub-4-3. You got three corners who are going into the last year of their contract. Uh, Kwan Williams, Richard Sherman, who's also aging, and uh, Akello Witherspoon. I don't know if you can bank on Tim Harris, the rookie from last year, or Emmanuel Mosley to lock it down. I think you're going to need to invest in the cornerback position. It's very expensive in the open market. And at the same Great. time, uh, you're in a division where you play Russell Wilson twice, Sean McVay twice, and now Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Larry Fitzgerald twice. You're going to need to cover So I'd look there. I I think you can do better with wide receivers later on. It's a deep class and the position doesn't require that heavy of an investment. So I would probably go corner at 13 if Henderson's there. And if not, trade back. At 31, if you already got your corner, great. Go get your wide receiver. If not, trade back. I'd be looking to trade back nonstop, and I wouldn't be surprised if they traded back twice, and then Niner fans come off day one, and they're thinking, ah, oh, man, you know, we didn't get a whole lot. It's not sexy. Yeah, but if you're drafting three or four times on day two, you're mm-hmm. going to be in decent shape right there.
4: Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I, I I really think it's okay to pass on one of these wide receivers at 13 and just focus on the defense. The, the, the common X factor here is just, it's Kyle Shanahan. He's been, made, he's been making it work. You know, even when they were bad, they were still putting up offensive numbers with Kittle and, and Marquise Goodwin. And then this past year, of course, we saw how the offense ran with a healthy Jim Um But you do do this ESPN wager, uh, daily wager show. The the over-under on the Niners wins in the 2020 is 10.5. Uh, is that a good number to bet on, taking the over or the under?
0: I wouldn't. I, I probably wouldn't bet it because of a few reasons. Number one, we haven't seen the schedule yet. The schedule is very, very important. we got to figure out how many times are in the Eastern time zone, how many primetime games, how many back-to-backs. On the road how many times are you going to be playing someone who's coming off a bye how many times are you going to be playing someone who's got normal rest where you're on a short week all these things need to be factored in all of them some people look at the schedule and they're just like all right at arizona that's a win not really if the cardinals are off a bye and you've played two straight on the road in the eastern time zone and you've been traveling like there are a lot of things you need to account for with the schedule so I always say take it with a grain of salt until you see the schedule. It's a big number. I'm confident the Niners play pretty well this year, but let's remember, they have a first-place schedule this season. They won the division. Mm -hmm. They got everyone. They're not going to catch anyone by surprise, and all these coaches are going to have the opportunity to study Niner game film and Kyle Shanahan game planning for an entire offseason. Arizona will be better. I think Seattle takes a step back, but will still be formidable. I don't know what to make of the Rams just yet. I'm not going to discount them. I'll tell you that much. I don't think they're a 12-win team, but I won't discount them. So it's going to be a tough division. Brady's in the conference now. Uh, Breeze is back. It's loaded. There's a lot going on. And I think that Philadelphia is going to be healthy, so they'll be better. I think Dallas is going to be better because subtract, addition by subtraction, you finally got Jason Garrett out of there. <laughs> so you got a lot you're dealing with, man. You got a lot you're dealing with. So what that would be for me is probably a pass. I think a lot of people are going to look at the Niners. And they're going to say, yeah, they're going to win 11 or more games. And when everyone's thinking that, you realize Vegas casinos weren't built that way. So if I had to do something, I'd probably, probably bet the under. But that would mostly be because I'm fading the popular consensus opinion. But I'm not telling you to go do that because I wouldn't advise that.
4: <laughs> well, well, I appreciate that because I, I, I do dabble a little bit in gambling. I don't get too much into it. Um, Good for you. <laughs> it can be it can be addictive um but uh joe you know we thank you for coming on today let the people know where they can find you um on twitter instagram and of course obviously on your radio show on ESPN
0: no doubt uh the radio show is monday through friday here in the bay area 95 7 the game 6am to 10am pacific joe low and dibs we're always trying to have a good time and we're doing a lot of draft content these days uh daily wager is usually on espn2 weekdays from 6 to 7 Eastern. It leads into the games, but we've kind of been on hiatus. We've been just putting out some digital stuff these days because, well, there's not really any sports, but that'll be back 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday uh, on ESPN2. And then on Twitter, it's just at Joe Fortinball. And if you've got questions, comments, and stuff, I always love interacting with people. So hit me up if you got anything going on. i love to talk sports.
5: Hey Joe, this is awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh we'd be happy to have you back once uh once we see that schedule and you can run through it with us and give us uh some solid advice on how to wager on that. No doubt. I appreciate you guys
0: having me on. Thank you so much. I had a blast.
4: Thank you.
5: Hit me with your elevator pitch. What do you want to happen with 13 and 31?
4: Yeah. Me? You want me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm all over the place right now. Sorry. Um, I want 13 to be moved, and I want 13 to be moved. We talked about it uh, before the show. We were just chatting all day today, actually. You weren't that busy at work about fucking time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I think moving 13, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago on the pod. You know, you can't move back too far. However, if the Niners were to move anywhere between 18 and 21, I'd be okay with that because because of the other picks you might attain from there. So, like, who picks at 18 and 21? Um, Let me pull it up real quick. But the the,
5: uh, 18 is Miami, and then 19 and 21 is going to be Philly, I believe. Yeah, so
4: 18 through 21, you know, the ability to get picks, you know, in the 50s um, and also, you know, maybe the 80s or 90s, that's also the value that you're getting in that pick. So I would rather move 13 because 13 is going to generate not only the pick swap from 13 to whatever pick you're going to get, you're also going to end up with either a second, multiple seconds, or a second and a third, or a second and multiple fourths. And we've heard from every every draft expert, every scout expert, or every pundit, the meat and potatoes of this draft is rounds two through four. The Niners have made their hay between rounds two and four these last couple of years. Fred Warner, mm-hmm. um, Dre Greenlaw, George Kittle, and those guys are fifth-round picks, but... Um, Debo Samuel, they, there's they've made they've had game changing players there. They've used their second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo and D Ford twice, but those those are the other guys. Um, the meat and potatoes here is that. So I would take I would move thirteen to twenty one with Philly. Um, and if Justin Jefferson is there at twenty one, take Justin Jefferson. Okay. Right. So and then at thirty one, you stay put at thirty one. Just keep thirty one, because with that thirteenth pick, you're gonna have a pick. Um. In that fifty range, where you can go get a wide receiver, or you can go get a safety, or you can go get a center or a guard, and then at thirty-one, just take the best available tackle on the board at thirty-one. I would be okay. I would be very happy with a Justin Jefferson and a Josh Jones situation. I'd mm-hmm. also consider if Tart is moved on draft day, Justin Jefferson at twenty-one, and if Antoine Winfield is sitting there at thirty-one. John Lynch, I swear to God, you better fucking run and call and make that pick. I'm not even joking. I would be okay with that combination of players there. And then because of the trade that you made between 13 and 21, you have 53 and maybe a hundred I guess I think the other one was like 103 or 104. At 53, you can go get another player there, and you can go get you know, if you take safety at 31, let's just say Ezra Cleveland falls to 53 for some reason. He's right. sitting there. Boom. Right. Now you have all three, and you're ready to go. If the Niners end up with a combination of those three in their first three picks, I am a happy 49ers fan. Everything else yeah. is just everything else. Yeah, I, I'm trade back, trade back, trade back, trade back, trade back. Yeah.
5: So that's that's where I'm at. I think they should. Tra- I I think you have to stand pat at 13 to start. Obviously, don't start making trades before you see how the board falls. Right. Because there, there's there's talk that Tua might slide, or maybe Herbert slides, or maybe a team's in love with Jordan Love. Maybe a team really likes, you know, whoever. Yeah. And they're willing to overpay to come up and get their guy. Because history has shown that you probably shouldn't trade up to get your guy. Should probably sit back, wait for your guy to fall. Wait, wait for the board to fall to you, and then take the best available. Um, Teams don't like that. Teams don't listen to that. Teams get in their heads and they get their guy. Sit at thirteen, see how the board falls, trade out of thirteen. I, they said six players, right? John Lynch said six players Mm -hmm. that he would be willing to take it at thirteen, and I, I'm willing to bet that all six of those guys are slated to go in the first seven picks. Yeah. And or the first ten picks or whatever it is, um, if I had to put a if I had to put a guess on it, um, Chase Young, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, and Burrow. probably Derrick yeah. Brown. Yeah, Burrow. I, again, they seem so content with Jimmy um, and like Derrick Brown. Yeah, I'm not high on Derrick Brown, but those are probably like the six players he's talking about. So if all those guys are gone, he's gonna trade out. Yeah, I, I don't think that Shanahan is super in love with any of the wide receivers me neither I don't think he likes any of the top three I don't think he likes them. let me me phrase it this way I don't think he likes them enough to draft him at 13 and hell yeah I am so with that let's go move back from 13 I think you can move back from 31 because I think a team is going to want to jump back in get a fifth year option on a guy they can hold on to for that extra year and again that's something you can get really good value for stock up on second round picks stock up on third round picks You said it, meat and potatoes, two through four. Yeah. They don't pick for 125 picks. It is going to break my heart if they stand pat at 13 and 31, and I have to watch draft crush after draft crush after draft crush just go off the board consistently with what what is going to happen between those picks. So I say move back, move back. Take best player available, uh, Philly at 21. Cool, I'm there with that. U.A. Justin Jefferson. I'm not as high on Justin Jefferson, so I, I I don't necessarily think they have to take a wide receiver in round 1. Same. You know, and uh, I mean I think there's plenty of value in round 2. DeBo's round 2. You know, I went through and I poked the bear today and I post, I posted all the first round picks from wide receivers and it's a 33% hit rate, which you could say for just about any position. Yeah. Sure. I get it. I understand that. The problem is the first round average of hits is 50%. You're going to hit on, on a solid player 50% of the time, and that was only happening 33% of the time in wide receivers. I don't think you need to take one in the first round. It's so deep. If they think they get a starter in the fifth, why go out and spend all this draft capital? It's a, the, the, the draft is a lot shallower in other positions. Yeah. I think the top safeties are the top ones, and then it falls off. Um, I think the top linebackers especially. I don't think they want a linebacker, but I'm just picking a position. The top linebacker like that. I think the top edge positions are like that. If the 49ers sat at 21 and took an edge player, say Chasen like Falls from LSU yeah. or even Gross Mottos from Penn State, oh, I'm here for it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's go. get another guy that's going to put pressure on the quarterback. And then you can try and move D forward. You can do whatever. But just trade back, accumulate picks. That's what I want to happen. I want to be boring. I want to be like <laughs> the anti-splash. I want to be the anti-splash. Everybody's like, let's get a wide receiver and then let's get. Let's get a game changing safety at 30. I don't care. <laughs> trade back and accumulate picks, man. Make my Friday interesting. I'm not going to work on Friday. Give me something to look forward to all day.
4: I'm, you know,
5: just I want picks on day two. I want day two picks. So I'm going to trade back, trade back, get me day two picks. That's my ideal first round.
4: I am right there with you. And, you know, we've we've talked about it a whole bunch. Um, so just while while you were talking, I was just messing around with the PFN mock draft simulator. So I traded back with New England. Added pick 23, stayed put at 31, added 87, 98, and 125. So first pick at 23 was on. I'm okay with an edge rusher. 31, obviously I ran and put Winfield Jr. there at safety. Brian <laughs> Edwards at 87 um, as well at the wide receiver spot. Yep, South Carolina. Love it. And then, you know, there's a tackle that not people, not many people are talking about. Uh, ben Bartz from uh, St. John's. I think he can be a pretty solid tackle in the NFL also um Keith Ishmael the center our buddy uh Zach put us on to him and I watched a whole bunch of him Mm -hmm. and he could also potentially be there um in the mid you know mid to early or mid to early third round that is a potential spot for him to be so you know just any kind of combination there I really think the Niners are looking for value and it'd be smart for them to do so and um, you know, I get it. Everyone wants a big name. There's no guarantee that Henry Ruggs is going to be good in the NFL. There's no guarantee that Jerry Judy knee is going to hold up because now there's knee reports on his meniscus. And-
1: me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line?
2: uh The only line I see here on the script is "Get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive."
1: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The hour and of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliate's Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law.
4: And CD Lamb, I think, might actually be the most complete running wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I know I wasn't high on him, but I sat back, listened to my boy Croc, and reevaluated. And now I'm like, okay, maybe I missed something. Um, and it, there's just so much wide receiver talent. And it's not that they have to be the number one wide receiver. They just have to be a guy that can give you 50 to 60 catches. And if Debo is giving you 80 to 85, you're winning. Like, I I really think Debo is wide receiver one. Like, I think that's just it for for Kyle. And if he can get any production out of KB, you know, where he's getting his 25 to 30 catches, of course, Kittle's going to get his 70 to 80. And you got another 80 from Debo, and then you have – another, you know, fifty or fifty five from this wide receiver you take in this class. That is a winning winning formula. You don't have you don't have to have a guy come in right away and be the number one guy. Um and that's yeah. where guys like Brian Edwards, D- Donovan Peoples Jones, um, our guy, Isab Winston, um, Denzel Mims if he falls. You know, I'm 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 okay with a guy yeah. like that. There's there's just too much depth here and I'm not saying I'm not saying if, 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 the, if they like a guy, obviously take him at 13. But if they really don't like a guy, and I think that's what they're, they're going to do, is just really focus on a wide receiver in that third, second or third round and go from there. But I, I, I really love Justin Jefferson. I've been saying that every, every week on the pod anyways. But I just wanted to throw that out there since we were talking. I wanted to make sure I was clear on what I was saying.
5: Yeah, I had a word real quick before we wrap this up because we do have to wrap this up. We're, we're running long. really you long. We say, "Yeah, we're going to talk for twenty minutes, and then we ramble on forever because <laughs> we're idiots." Um, you you brought up Eric Crocker. His wide receiver rankings and his wide receiver rankings are generally pretty good. Very good. Yeah, he's generally he's generally pretty on on point. Um, they go from CD Lamb as his top guy, and he does the top twenty all the way down to Lavisca Chenault. Lavisca Chenault's been he's been projected in the first round for some people. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just one to twenty. I mean, that's one to twenty. There's a guy who's twentieth on his list is being projected in the first round. You're always looking at guys like Gandy Golden was fifteen, KJ Handler is thirteen, Denzel Mims was fourteen for him. And, and a lot of this is is dependent on where they go. But there's just so much talent at the wide receiver position. So much talent. So much goddamn talent at wide receiver. They don't need to over. They don't need to over go overboard. Pick one at thirteen. It is not a failure. If the 49ers trade back with one of the big three wide receivers on the board. It is not a failure if they trade back with all three of them on the board at 13. Do not look at the draft as it's only successful with their first pick. It's not how the NFL draft works. It's not how you reload a roster. And it's not how you build championship rosters like they have.
4: Yeah, That's another thing people forget. This is a championship roster. There's not many spots left on this team. They're just not, you know the yep. back end guys are gonna be replaced. But you know, but yep. if you can find a guy that can, you know, come in and and, you know, unseat one of your, you know, guys you had in the last couple of years, then yeah, you'll have that. But I really it's gonna be tougher to make this, this, this roster. And that's something Kyle always says during the beginning of preseason or uh, or the training camps. It's gonna be hard I want it to get harder and harder as we make this roster because you mean you have a community of really good talent. So obviously the draft picks, those one through five guys are making a team. But, you know, six, seven, those guys at the end of it and the undrafted free agents have an uphill battle. So there's just that. And, you know, it's right now, Niners need twelve spots to fill. And I really think they're gonna I think they're gonna kill this undrafted free agency period. There's a lot of guys I've been talking to, um, that might go undrafted and they can find some gems there too. So I trust their undrafted free agency process too. So and that's one thing with John and Kyle. I'm very confident in both of their abilities to um Evaluate talent. Maybe not so much with C.J. Beathard and, and and a couple other misses they had, but everything else they've done has been pretty good um, outside of that first draft. So I, I'm I'm here for for it. They just made the Super Bowl. Guys, freaking out about yeah. what what PFF <laughs> says on war? Like, shut up! Like that's just stupid. Um, I, I'm I'm fully invested and confident in this front office to get it. So we are here with Cleo Brooks. Inside linebacker, outside linebacker, safety for Middle Tennessee, um the multifaceted uh defensive player, uh Khalil, what's going on, man? How you doing?
3: I'm doing good, just trying to maintain, um, stay healthy and uh also stay in shape.
5: Yeah, so let's I mean that's pretty much what we've been starting off with everybody. Is is with COVID nineteen, coronavirus, the Rona, whatever you want to call it, with that going on, how are you getting your tape out there? How are you training? How are you preparing yourself for the draft.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, with everything closed uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, they closed off all the parks and um, football fields, stuff like that. Uh, I just find any open grass I can find and just, to, just to find uh, what not gated, but, and even I just try to go in my uh, front yard or front <laughs> driveway and then I just do kind of just different drills, stuff like that. Just, just trying to be creative as possible just to be, stay in shape. Uh, also, uh, just find new ways to, you know, make it harder for myself, uh, just doing stuff on concrete. I know it's not grass. You don't have, um, you know, you don't have grass so you can plant and stuff like that. So it's going to also make it harder for me. So when I'm on the field, so it'd be a lot easier. No, that
4: makes sense. A lot of guys are getting creative right now. You, you kind of have to, um, especially in places like, you know, Georgia and, you know, where everything's kind of completely shut down. I know Georgia is kind of trying to open everything up right now, um, to kind of get ahead of this, you know, transition back to normalcy. Um, you know, speaking of, with transitions, you know, from you know, in, in, in watching you play, um, you know, there's been a, there's been some talk about you played linebacker in college, but the idea of you playing a strong safety type role in the NFL, how has that transition gone for you? And have teams asked about that your capabilities to play in coverage, play in the box, um, and if, in your willingness to make that kind of transition from linebacker to safety?
3: Yes, sir. Um, even with the transition this year, uh, I played a lot of the man to man. I played a lot of nickel, nickel backer, money backer for Middle Tennessee State throughout the years. Um, they used me a lot, uh, blitzing uh, and coverage. Uh, just, not, I was always a guy that was centerpiece of the defense. And um, the safety spot that we have that drops down our strong safety spot in the the nickel linebacker, money backer that we have, they kind of do the same things, but they do it on different sides. So it 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 wouldn't be a, a a difficult option for me to play safety and something that I've done throughout my career. NCSU just a different name for it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. With the the transition of the NFL going from more of a you know a run centric game to such a pass heavy game with pretty much every team, that position is super super necessary to have a guy that can play in a big nickel. Is like what we what we like to call it, you know big nickel there. Um. So you know, what do you think is your biggest strength of your game?
3: My, big, my biggest strength is the knowledge of the game. I'm just being up to date and up to par on, on the tendencies of different players, uh, the different options that they have, uh, and just being a player that has a high motor. i always giving give it my all each play um, and just bring that leadership to different teams and be, just play my role, whether the, whether the role is special teams, whether the role is being a starter, I, I'm going to do it, do the best I can, just being a team player.
4: Yeah, that's uh, that's what these these uh, these pro teams want to hear. They want to hear that leadership and 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 being a team player. Where, where does that come from? Does that come from anybody in in the home, your family, anyone you know, kind of set that kind of example for you or anyone you look up to inside your family that you know you you lend you lean towards when it comes to you know your football career and things like that.
3: I just believe that any parent is a leader, um, just being the person just to take care of us um, and just being that person to teach a structure. And different things like that. So just a household thing.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, growing up in Atlanta, you know, you're were you a Falcons fan? Is there anybody you kind of modeled your game after when you were growing up?
3: Um, just growing up, I wasn't any fan of a team. I was kind of like a bandwagon, um bandwagon <laughs> fan, just picking the best best teams that were available, or just pick, picking just different players that I like. Um, some some players that I like. Um like Tatarian Ty- Matthew, uh Jabril okay. Peppers in college. Mm-hmm. Uh just guys like A Reed, uh Earl Thomas, just guys who look similar to me and play the game at the high level.
5: E. D. Reed, boy, the best safety you ever seen, boy. I know exactly what you mean, man. It was awesome <laughs> to see him getting trying in the <laughs> awesome to see him getting tried
4: in the Hall of Fame. Um <laughs> Yes sir. And you know, with this this transition going to the NFL and, 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 and things like that, you know, then we are we're a forty nine podcast, so we have a Middle Tennessee guy uh, on the roster, Richie James. Have you had any contact with him on the draft process or any type of – whether the advice he's offered you or any type of conversation you guys may have had?
3: Uh, I talked. to – I don't talk to Richie a lot right now. We play the game like Call of Duty. He's a big Call of Duty fan. <laughs> uh, but I talked to him uh, last last in the fall, and he just talked to me about, you know, he went late, late in the draft, and he was telling us telling all the guys just, you know, just appreciate the moment in college and just um, just know that NFL is a business and just understand that, you know, you got to give it your best you can every day. And that's what he's shown us. He's shown us uh, the different things he can do on the field, being a a kick return point return, a receiver guy. And just, I know that guy, he works extremely hard. Just seeing the way he worked. Um, I came in early at middle Tennessee state and he's the kind of guy that brought me into his, his home. And when I first got there and we just been close, when I was young, and just seeing the way he grew up and just seeing the way he um elevated his game at Middle Tennessee is just something just a just something i want to be i want to do as well if if I get shot to in the field
5: so Richie told you to enjoy the college game and enjoy the moment and stuff so so what was your favorite moment from your college career?
3: My favorite moment uh was just winning the committee Bowl, just getting that first uh bowl win because Middle Tennessee we all go to bowl games. But uh we never win that big bowl game with everything going on. Uh just everyone that wants to have fun in the bowl games and they don't really see it as a game. But that game, uh I feel like everyone was locked in and just getting that win. Just 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 seeing the work we put in throughout the year, um, when it comes to the goal at the end of the year to win the bowl game, win the last game.
4: Yeah, that's that's where it's at. And uh, I i s I'm looking at your your pro day stuff. So, you know, we we talked to other guys, and are you just mailing in your video? Is that what they want you to do? And then this 447 really sticks out on the 40. Is that, you know, something that you pride yourself on? Is your speed? Is that because everything that I saw, you are fast and you get around the corner really quickly, you play really well in space. Um, Is your speed one of your best attributes? Is that what you, you think so?
3: Uh my I think my best attribute is, is playing with high motor, and high energy. And I do have speed but I also have strength. Um I had nineteen on the bench and that's uh, unprecedented for a guy who's a safety. I mean you don't see a lot of guys who are DBs get uh, nineteen or twenty on the bench. Yeah. So uh that I just feel like I'm a I'm a mixed player. That's why I played a uh, nickel safety at Middle Tennessee State because I do provide I do have access to uh being strong and fast. And with the pro that we had, I did it uh I worked out a boost performance. And uh, Jordan Luella, he reached out to a guy named uh, Blake Billen, Billenfield. He's a former uh, director of scout uh, for college um, athletes for Titans, and um, he verified our time. So it just felt good to finally get our my pro day with everything going on and just have my times verified. And They sent them out to all the teams.
5: Yeah, that's great. It's all it's always good to see these guys get it verified by a third party because you see some of these guys where they send in the numbers. The numbers don't match what they actually bring <laughs> So, you know, I'm, I'm real happy that you were able to get that verified because there's a lot of people that take a look at that and say, I don't think it is. I mean, we can see it when you're watching the tape, but, but, you know, going back to college a little bit, you're sitting in the locker room, you're trying to mentally prepare for the game. How, how are you doing? Are you watching highlights, you listening to music, how do you get in the zone for the game?
3: Uh, I just, I just go in that field and just try to see myself making plays uh, the best way I can. Uh, listen to a lot of music, uh. And just being with the guys, just going over to different plays just different. You know what I'm saying? Just visualize what you're going to do because you, I feel like you visualize the play that you're going to make. You're going to uh, do it because you made your mindset on what you want to do. So I just go on the field, try to walk around, uh, listen to music, and just visualize make me making plays on the field.
4: Yeah. I, I, a, lot, a couple of other guys we spoke to had the same, same thing, they put music on, get on the field, and visualize the game. Um so, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you guys are younger than us and, you know, this generation, we like to kind of take it away from football on the podcast and talk about some. So there was something really big that happened on Sunday, the Michael Jordan documentary, Last Dance. Where are you with the LeBron-Michael Jordan debate? Where are you in that conversation?
3: Uh, I watched the Last Dance and then, you know, I feel like <laughs> athletes evolved. Um, just seeing that, you know, every year or, you know, decades players are going to get better. They're going to take things from older players. So I feel like the game has involved. Uh, I do feel that back then there was a lot more uh, physical. They did foul a lot and Michael Jordan, he did go through a lot of stuff uh, just as a player because the, well, there was not other day on research with you know different stuff like that. So I feel like Michael Jordan was a mentally tough uh, player, but I feel like LeBron, he's a more he's a more involved player and he's all-around player. He has an all-around game. As far as Michael Jordan, he just he just was a scorer, um, and LeBron he's a team guy. So um, I feel like there's just two different two different players. And you really can't judge those players. And I didn't have, actually get to see my Jordan play, so I, I can't I can't verify who'd be the best player. That's okay. fair
4: uh, Fair enough.
5: It. I'll take it. I'll take it. You didn't just outright say LeBron's better than Jordan, so we're cool with that because it's the answer we always get. LeBron's always better than Jordan. Um, but keeping it off I mean, the field a little bit,
3: man. Honestly, it, 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 yeah, if I'm being honest, I just feel like Kobe's just the best player because I got it.
2: There you go. There
3: we
5: go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, but keeping it off the field a little bit, you know, are there any like is there any movies or stuff that you just like when you want to wind down? Like I know you say you were playing Warzone with, with Richie and stuff. Is there any is there any like movies or stuff you like to wind down with when you're off the field and you're done with your homework and you're done with everything? Um,
3: I just like watching um all the um DC Marvel movies. I'm a big DC Marvel fan. Uh, I like the Batman movie with the Joker. Uh, I like the Joker a lot. And I like thrillers. I like my favorite movie ever is The Inception. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely Mm. see it. Oh, it's a great movie. It's a deep movie. It's a great movie. Just about dreams with them dreams. And I watch it every time just to get more understanding about the movie because you just can't watch movies one time to understand a movie. And you got to watch it several times and pay attention.
4: Listen, can you come explain that to my wife? Because she gets so mad. (laughs) <laughs> when I watch a movie like that, she's like, what do you, why do you got to watch it again? But there's, there's stuff you miss, especially in Inception that, you know, that makes sense. You know, um, I I'm there with you. I love that movie. And Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the best <clears throat> sticking with movies. Do you have a, do you have a favorite actor or, or someone that, you know, you, you, if they are going to put a movie out, you're, you're running to the theaters you're gonna <clears throat> or you're going to, or you going to rent it right away? Um uh,
3: yes, sir. Uh, I love, uh, I love Benzel Washington. I love uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I love uh, the guy who's the Iron Man. I Robert Downey really Jr. Him, but Tony Stark, yeah. He's a real good <laughs> actor. Uh, There's just a lot of actors that are really good. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Um, but I definitely love uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Lizzo Washington. Solid can't,
5: picks. Can't go wrong Solid there. picks. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: so, so now now you've kicked you, you kick back,
5: you've got the movie. You know, what's your favorite food? If you get to pick what, what one meal, what, what's your one meal?
3: On my one meal that I out choose right now, I'm a variety guy, so I would have to say I just love wings a lot. I don't know what it is, just wings, <laughs> or, especially on pepper wings. I don't know, they just do something to me. But I'm Flash a TV guy, steak guy, yes, sir. Alfredo guy, I'm just I just love wings though. Okay,
5: so so you got the wings. Are they flats or are they drums?
3: Uh, you gotta have a flat, but you also—I'm a mixed bag guy, so you gotta same. have both. Uh, I can't, can't you have flats and just have you know the drums? You gotta have mix. You gotta have a mixture.
4: Okay, I'm a cool. flats
5: guy. I'm a flats guy, so I don't know. It's, it's
4: we on the <laughs> same page. We on the same page. I gotta have both. You gotta have both. I'm I'm a mixed you bag have guy. Both, yeah. Oh yeah. Um. You know, when you get to the next level, you know, what is, you know, looking back, is there is there anything you want to do to give back to the community? Is there anything that you want to look forward to or, or, you know, provide some type of leadership, you know, giving back to the community around you when you, whenever you do make it to the NFL? Because a lot of guys, they get in the NFL and they want to just give back, give back, give back. Is there anything mm-hmm. that, um, that really motivates you to, you know, to give back to the community, whether that be a youth program or, you know, a health issue, anything like that that interests
3: you? Um yes, uh, I'm just I, I would love to get back to like younger kids. I uh, just feel like um young kids they learn better when they're younger. So you, I feel like you learn better when you're younger. So just putting that knowledge in their head about uh, education, about sports, um, just the guys who want to play sports because you can't force someone to play sports. But just the people who want who are interested in playing sports at the time, just putting knowledge in their head about just the different steps you got to go through, and then just taking them on different tours and stuff to colleges just So they can see visualize on um, stuff in the college, live by themselves in that uh, that scenery and just see that it's possible. Um, guys like me and other guys who I graduated with, um, it's possible because that we did it and you're the next one up. So we, it's always trying to build for the future, build for a young kid, and just build for the, the world to come.
5: Absolutely, absolutely, it's, it's always a good thing, especially the the the. the you know, the youth a chance to to see themselves at the next level and at the next step. So, you know, that's that's awesome. I I, I would love to see that. Uh, but, you know, Cleo, last question for you before we let you go. What's the last thing that you want GMs to know? Not the last thing, but what's the last thing, impression you want to leave on NFL teams, NFL GMs, NFL scouts?
3: That I'm a role player. I'm a team guy. Um, I'm willing to play such teams. I'm willing to play anything. Any, anything, anything I need to do on the field. I' am gonna do it um I just want to play ball at this point um I just love ball um it ball football has helped me to become the person I am to you know get a chance for education and just to also you know what I'm saying to be the person I am again just to, without football, I don't know where my life will be um and I just want to get back to the game
5: absolutely absolutely hey cleo thank you so much for joining us man this was a lot of fun uh before we let you go you know go ahead and shout yourself out let the people know where they can find you it's twitter instagram whatever it is
3: oh um, you can follow me at underscore district uno 6 underscore d i s t r i c t uno u n o 6 on twitter that's me cleo brooks <laughs>
4: Uh, yeah. Look for Khalil Brooks in this NFL draft and this up- upcoming season, man. Khalil, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, uh, best of luck at the next level. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we ran really long. Uh, today we have two interviews today with Joe <laughs> Fortenball and then outside linebacker, inside linebacker, safety, a multifaceted player, Khalil Brooks from Middle Tennessee. Um, we want to thank those two gentlemen for coming on the pod today and uh, sharing their time with us. We'll have that. Uh, I will be doing some cut ups there to have some segments put on, on Twitter for you guys to hear before the pod comes up anyways. And then of course this Thursday we will have a live draft feed. I will be sending out the link on my Twitter feed here soon. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you saw I did a test run last night and I did that by accident and it kind of blew up really fast. I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> I did that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the guys from Forty yep. ers North, uh, Will and Zach will be on with us and, uh, we hope to have everyone tune in and share their comments and thoughts. I'm going to try to manage it to so where I can get some questions answered and, and inside here uh, for everyone who's watching us. We appreciate any support we may get on that. And then, um, of course, this is the 4th & Go podcast. man. We are brought to you by BlueWire and BetOnline.ag. Go ahead and, and make sure you sign up and get your uh, bonus um, reward when you do sign up at BetOnline.ag. And then any other podcast you may like, BlueWire has a large list of podcasts available right now during this quarantine time. Um, but Matt um,
5: Inclu- including our guy Croc. he's also is over there on par- as part of Blue Wire so make sure you really check out Blue Wire if you go to their at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter you can find them sharing out all sorts of different for podcasts. sure
4: so uh, once again this is 4th and Go Podcast I'm Javi that is Matt catch me on Twitter at JavierVague underscore catch my boy Matt here at
5: Matt Bar underscore don't forget to follow Will and Zach so you can get track of them for the live feed it's at WCuberos And at me, Zach P. Yeah,
4: definitely give those guys a really good follow. Um, Both guys, upstanding gentlemen. I shared several beers with them in Santa Clara. It's a good time. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, we Mm -hmm. will see you guys on Thursday. Uh, The pod will be – we will also record that podcast and have that available, to you for those who didn't listen to it or watch it. Uh, But until Thursday, go Niners. Peace.
1: I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
0: Wendy's Baconator is the ultimate bacon cheeseburger that puts all other cheeseburgers to cheeseburger shame. And now we're bringing that same big bacon energy to shake up and wake up your breakfast with the Breakfast Baconator, stacked with a fresh cracked egg, sausage, cheese, and bacon. And right now, you can get a free breakfast Baconator with purchase in the Wendy's app. So get to Wendy's and always be Baconating. We
3: got Offer you- available at participating U.S. Wendy's for Limited time during breakfast hours only. Offer must be redeemed via the app. Account registration required.